0: You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Yours, mine, ours. That's how we need to start to think about how our lives are intricately woven together as kingdom people. Everything that's yours, is mine. Everything that's mine is yours. What is ours is yours and mine. What is yours is mine and ours. Amen. There is a connection that we have as members of the body of Christ that we have to keep in mind. As I, as we conclude our look at... Um, the workplace and our responsibilities in the workplace as kingdom people. I told you there were individual purposes God established for the workplace and then there were family purposes that he established and now we want to finally take a look at those kingdom purposes that he has established. Amen? So that's why as we look at it right now, it is yours, mine, and whose And so if we keep that in mind, we will be proven to be wise. Amen. Give me one second here. There we go. For the individual, just in terms of review, very quickly, we said that work was about sustenance. It was about support. It was about satisfaction. It was about structure. You want to be busy instead of being a what? Busy amen. And it's about service. It's always about service. We're called to obey and, and serve as individuals. For the family, we talked about it being about earnings, yes. It's about empowerment, yep, because earnings is for the consumptive needs that we have for today. Empowerment is about the investing needs for our family for tomorrow and to lay up for our parents and for our children. It's not either or, it's and and both. It's about exposure, again, for uh, the world to see what a kingdom person looks like and how a kingdom person deals with things at work. And then also you're the representative for your family. And we looked at the life of Joseph, and that was one of the things that Joseph practiced. As soon as he got his, his people down there, he put them on, as they say. Amen. He said, I know you you all are shepherds and I'm going to make sure that you get some good shepherding jobs while you're down here. Amen. So exposure for your for your family. And and last but not least, as an example. And that was the hardest thing. Kim and I had a conversation about about this after church, after I preached it. And it was like, yeah, there's just the, the apostle Peter's just not giving us any room here. He says, I need you to step where Jesus stepped. I need you to do what he did and I need you to do it like he did it he did it with no sin and no deceit no threat and no retaliation I mean there that engagement at work is feels very restrictive but if we can restrict ourselves and practice some self-control in that regard we will be like the savior amen and what better thing could we say but now we go to the kingdom purposes and this is the the biggest picture uh, is intricately related. That's why we say it's mine and ours and yours. We're incorporating people that we don't even know. And so let me give you the newsflash once again. And we have to have this newsflash over and over because we have a tendency by our behavior to, to seem like we don't grasp this concept. It's a very simple concept. It's not about you. Did, did you hear what I said? You don't even want to repeat that with me because it'll hurt your little feelings, but it's not about you. Let, let, let me, let, me get, let you in on another little secret. It's never been about you. And guess what? When you wake up tomorrow, it ain't going to be about you then either. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about the kingdom. It's about broader purposes. It's what God is trying to do, not only in time, but in eternity. Amen. And so he's got that eternal perspective and we join him in what he's doing. It's about the kingdom and it's about his glory. So why would it not, why would God not have kingdom purposes related to work as well? Again, individual purposes, family purpose purposes, and now kingdom purposes. And we're just going to look at that. Amen. So as a kingdom representative, if you had a name tag on at work, it should have your name under and it should say kingdom representative. Kingdom representative. The first thing that you should be doing as a kingdom. Come on, somebody as a kingdom representative (laughs) is you should be increasing. The reputation of the kingdom. Did you hear what I said? Again, if, okay, I'm doing it by myself today. It's fine. It's fine. I'm going to do it by myself. Increasing the reputation of the kingdom. Some of you believe that your job is to decrease the reputation of the kingdom. But that's not a kingdom purpose. You have to increase the reputation of the kingdom of the kingdom. In 1st Timothy 6, 1 and 2, it says this, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect. He said, "Man, we back to that again. Yeah, again, we're substituting slaves and masters for the employment dynamic that we see the the job dynamic of employers and employees. Again, it feels like slavery sometimes, and I know you feel like you you, you don't get paid what you're supposed to. But again, he says even again, our job is that the employer gives us opportunity and then we give the employer productivity they're supposed to we give them respect in response to the opportunity they provide and they're supposed to give us fairness in response to the productivity that we provide that's that core role core response in that relationship opportunity productivity fairness respect that's what we're suppo- that's the dynamic but it doesn't always work amen very few people find jobs where that that's kind of the situation but if you find one hold on to it for dear life because it's precious amen and so the first timothy says but all who are under the yoke should consider their masters worthy of full respect why so that god's name come on somebody and our teaching may not be slandered god's name his name is on you amen That's why when I said you got a name tag on, you do, you have on a name tag and it says what kingdom representative. And if you're a kingdom representative, that means you represent the king. His name is on you, whether you put that name tag on or not. If you claim the name of Christ, he wants you to actually also claim the game of Christ. Amen. You just this, this is the real name it claim it. If you're going to name the name, let's 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 do some things. Let's let's actually name uh, uh, have the game that Christ had as well. And he says, listen, you got to do that. Why? Because they're deserving of what? Full respect you have to acknowledge that role so that's the first thing you acknowledge the principle that god has for work that's the only way you can even begin to execute on what god has asked you to do you do you have to acknowledge it it's opportunity and fairness it's uh, it's it's productivity and respect that's that's it that's what god is trying to get done and so i have to understand that and then i first acknowledge that principle that god has for work and then i will then be able to accept the purpose that god has for work it says if this if you can't find any other motivation it's not it, not about earnings not about empowerment not about uh, your ability to, to to be able to pour in and serve or to be satisfied at work if nothing else should motivate you what about this God's name is on you God is serious about his name. Matter of fact, one of the Ten Commandments is that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's not just really talking about speech, but action. Why is he so particular about his name? Because his name is attached to his glory. And he said in Isaiah, I am the Lord. That is my name name and my glory I will not share with another he says about my glory and it's my name and guess what Psalms 8 tells us as the psalmist David says oh Lord our Lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth there's no place you can go and when you arrive there you'll find that the reputation of God Ain't excellent. I know that's not good English, but that's good preaching. You can't go anywhere and f- arrive and find out that the name of God ain't excellent. It's excellent throughout the earth amen and so he says listen my name is on you and I want you to be excellent because I'm excellent I want you to be holy because I am holy I want you to be pure because I am pure because you have my name put your name tag on remind yourself when you walk out those doors and you go downtown or you go to your job or you on your zoom call now or whatever it is where you plug in for employment you have to remember his name Is written right here, should be across my heart, and I've got to represent. And God said, You know, His name is so important that remember in Psalms 23: Lord is my shepherd, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, He leadeth me beside, He restores my, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Oh, I'm going to get the job done is what God is saying because it's my name. That's my name. My name is out there. The children of Israel at the end of time, when you look at Ezekiel, I think it's chapter 38 and they talk about end times. And he says, all of this stuff that you messed up, he said, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new mind and you will do what I said you were going to do. Why? Because my name is out there. I said I was going to bring you out and then bring you in. I'll be able to do that. Why? Because I said I would. And my name is my name. So when you're at work, you could either do one or two things. You can increase the reputation of the kingdom with your productivity or you can decrease the reputation of the kingdom with your inactivity. Amen. You're going to have to decide how you want to play it. With his name. And then in verse two of First Timothy, he goes on to say this, and I, and I'll make application for us here because most of us won't have be at at at, at occupations where there is a uh, they're Christians or Christians are in control or working in a Christian organization. But he says those who have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. These are the things that you are to teach and insist on. There are two applications that are important for you. I, I think if you don't work in a Christian organization in terms of where you draw your paycheck, when it comes to black folks, sometimes when we get in employment situations and you see sister girl is in charge, Oh, you see, brother, man, is in charge. All of a sudden, you want to relax. All of a sudden, it's like, man, this is going to be a cakewalk up in here. It's like, all right, all right, I see you, brother. It's like, all of a sudden, you relax. All of a sudden, the, 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 the effort's not there because you think you're going to get covered because, you know, you know, we got that. It's brother, brother. Paul said, don't do that. Don't do that. That's the application. Don't, don't do that. He said, because you see, sister, girl's in the big seat press harder because she's counting on you to make her look good so she can keep that job and we can keep climbing and keep and and keep being excellent and get all that black black girl magic going yeah don't come in here casting spells on the black girl magic because you don't want to do what you're supposed to do and expecting it to be covered because we all brothers and sisters don't do that and more importantly for us as kingdom people where we see this show up more than any place is when you start doing ministry in the church all of a sudden you forget all your skills all of your press all of your hustle that you use on your job when you get a ministry assignment You don't have that same kind of hustle. You don't have that same grind. You say, it's good enough. They're not paying me anyway. Now, I doubt if that's what you say to yourself, but that's how you play it because it's not excellent. You're not giving your all. You're not giving a supreme effort. It comes time for the planning meeting. You decide this is the time. You You haven't been late for one meeting at work. But now it's time for this meeting and then you and you're rolling in 15 minutes late. But you're not getting paid. So, so what, 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 what can he really do? Nothing but be disappointed. Nothing because you decided that I'm not going to give. You know that that required you to show up with 50 copies of this to hand out and you showed up with 10 copies and said they just going to have to make do. If that's what you how you want to play it, God's not pleased because that means you're not increasing the reputation of the kingdom. You're not accepting the purpose that God has for work that you should be excellent because his name is what? Excellent. So you got to act with inactivity? No. You have to act with productivity. Amen, because your work is your witness your words when spoken should affirm what your actions have already declared let me say that again just in case you didn't catch that your words when spoken should affirm what your actions have already declared when you say you are a Christian the people and the response around you should be I knew you were a Christian it shouldn't be, Kevin, <laughs> you're a Christian? Kevin's a Christian. Kevin. If that's the response, that's terrible. It should be like, I knew Kevin was a Christian because I saw how he act. I, I acted. I saw how he interacts. I've seen how he moves about. I knew there was something different about him. I even had a situation, and I just absolutely love this. This put this this literally it put chills up my spine i i I work in private equity as as most of you know and this was many many years ago when i was at greenfield partners and i worked at 676 north michigan there was a sister who came in on the afternoon shift and she worked the desk and she stopped me one day and she said i'm sorry I, i i just i know this sounds crazy but i just have to ask you are you a pastor? Because to her, it's like, what do you, I, I don't see, you know, this is a private equity and I know where you're working. And, and I told her, yeah, I am. And what she said to me, she said, I knew it. She said, because I saw the anointing on you. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I got, it just went down my back. Now, when people flow like that and have those kind of gifts of discernment, her point was, I don't. I wouldn't expect to see what I saw here, but I see it on you. She's like, I know, I know that flow when I'm at church. I know when I'm comfortable. I know when I should see that. But she said, I saw something on your life. She said the anointing, and she said not just an anointing. She said, it's a pastoral anointing on you that I can see. And I was like, listen, listen, listen. If that doesn't straighten your back up, It can't be like, oh, no, no, no. Chris with the pastoral anointing, the one that just kicked that woman in the street for trying to catch. He tried to catch the cab and she was catching it. That's not what she's supposed to see. But she said, I knew you were a pastor. She said, because I saw the anointing on your life. Now, me and Anita was tight after that. And I had to watch myself. You know, you got to if you see the anointing then I better show the anointing. Amen. Amen. The second thing is, and we'll move through these next two kind of quickly. Not only do you want to increase the what? Reputation of the kingdom. The second thing you want to do is you want to increase the riches in the kingdom. Amen. You want to increase the riches in the kingdom. And there's a very particular reason why you want to do that. And that's in Ephesians chapter 4 and 28. It says in verse 28, 28, anyone who has, <laughs> I don't know why this just makes me laugh, but I'm sorry. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. I just like, that should be like base. Yeah, that's class 101. That's real basic. Christians should not be stealing. I don't know why he's like, all right, everybody who's been stealing, stop stealing. It's like, is, if we really need that admonition? Stop stealing, but he says that's what he says. So apparently, it needed to be said. And again, in Titus, he said he said he teaches us uh, try to tell the slaves not to to please their masters, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them. I guess that that we have a problem. We like to steal things, and I don't even know. That, that's not even fair. I don't even know why I'm surprised. Because my very first internship that I got with En-ROADS, I was working at First Chicago, and my boy Carter, my best friend in high school, was working at Leo Burnett. We would show up every day with empty briefcases, and we would leave every night with full briefcases: staplers, uh, paper clips, uh, rubber bands, notepads. reams of paper, we we took the whole summer to build up a whole inventory of supplies and didn't think twice about the fact that we probably shouldn't be stealing. But that's what we were doing. It didn't even occur. You know how much trouble we could have gone in, your little briefcase pop open as you're going out the door and all of this spills out? You mess up your career that's it you you lose the internship you're on a different trajectory but 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 again it didn't occur to us it was like they they won't miss what we take and it's not true but God saw what we were doing and he was not pleased I don't think we did it after that first summer but actually we didn't really need to because we had a lot of supplies (laughs) you need you need oh you need a notepad oh I got you bro you need a notepad You need a stapler? One of those cups to hold the pens? I got you. That's terrible. So again, okay, so I take it back. Let me read the verse again. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Amen. But must work doing something useful with their own hands. Here it is, that they may have something to share with those in need. That's Part of the reason why you work, you increase the riches in the kingdom. Again, as you give, as God lays on your heart to give and God loves a cheerful giver, as you give into the ministry, part of what you do is be you're able to then allow us to share with others that are in need. There's a benevolence that's here, and that's why it's yours, mine, and ours, and you may contribute to somebody that you don't even know, somebody that is in need. We support so many uh, different ministries historically over the years and we have and you may not even know those people well but we have supported them as a church and we've been able to do that because you brought in the in in the the resources into the kingdom for us to be able to to do that and the Apostle Peter, I mean, the Apostle Paul talked to, to the, uh, to the uh, Corinthians about giving to the, the Philippians. He says, hey, listen, they came, they, they gave to you out of their, out of their lack when, when you guys need to think, now nah, it's your turn to re, uh, repay the favor. Amen. As it said, get in on what God is doing. Amen. Because it's yours, mine, and Ours. And the world would say, that's crazy. I'm not going to work to help benefit anybody but me. The world says, get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. That's what the world would tell you. That's what I think is in Luke 12 that the rich man did when he decided I got too much stuff. What should I do? Should I think about maybe giving some of it away? Nah, son, I need to build bigger barns. That's the problem. So I'll tear these down and get some bigger ones. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can. That is not what God is telling you to do. Part of the purpose for going to work is that you don't consume absolutely everything you get all the way to the margins because you may need to share with those that are in need and you need to increase the riches in the kingdom. And it's not just the riches in the kingdom. Tangentially, this is the third thing, increase the resources for the kingdom. Now that incorporates a little bit more than just money you have skills and talents and abilities that if you will contribute those like you do at 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 work there's professional skills that you have um it's so it's so great to start something and and have an idea around doing something and then see the the folks that that professionally have that that's within their skill set amen I remember at one point we were talking about doing a doing a health fair and it was something that Sister Ramona at the time, she was she was here and, and Sister Shara you know, the, all of the healthcare folks kind of got together and they said, I got some resources or Sister Ramona in particular I remember said, I've done this several times at the church that she actually worked for, she worked for a church and she's like, we've done this and so again to be able to have resources, one of the first things uh, that, that uh, uh, when my mom, who's still in this skilled nursing facility now one, one of the, the sisters from Law, Sister Joyce uh, reached out to me and said, you, you know, professionally, I deal with t- this kind of transition for, for seniors and, and trying to place them in, 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 in assisted living facilities or whatever. So she just said, if you need anything, let me know. See, that's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. Thessa was the, the, one of the first people we called when I, had, when I was dealing with me and my sister were dealing with my mom and Thessa came right over. I had Dr. Carla Pugh all the way on the phone from California who said, don't he said, and don't get it twisted. I do not mind talking to other physicians. If you need me to come in with the big hammer, I can bring the big hammer with me. You just let me know. That's how the body of Christ works. You increase the resources for the kingdom. But back very quickly to looking at increasing the riches in the kingdom. So many people don't understand the power of, of the ministry that's provided at work. If you look in the Old Testament, there are really, I mean, say two jobs. You had the priest who worked specifically in the tabernacle and the temple, and then you had the, the kings and the other folks that were around. And and, you know, this kind of division, as I've talked about, between the sacred, the sacred and the secular, you, you, give, you give, as well we should, we, we, we give uh, duty, I mean, excuse me, we give uh, a glory or, or, or uh, prefer those that work inside the temple. You, you know, that's, that's a job, and it's, it's, it typically requires special clothing. It did back then and the whole thing, and they were just doing all of these sacrifices. But where did all of these animals come from? The priests, the the priests weren't raising animals and they, they weren't buying animals. Those things had to be brought into them so that as as they're doing daily, daily sacrifices and they're doing these things that, that comes from somewhere. That's, that's what the kings did. The kings kind of brought that, that in. So if you look at first Chronicles 28 and 29 and you look at what King David did in terms of giving of provision so that the temple could be built. David gave all kind of gold and silver and brass and all of these other kind of stuff. He gave all of these provisions so that they could actually build the temple and do the work. And so you think about that when they were building the tabernacle, and I believe it was in Exodus chapter 25. God said, "I want the people to get in on this." He said, "Send out a message. I want the people to give. Here's what we need. We need we need uh we need uh gold and we need uh s- silver and we need all of these kinds of things." And it was beautiful to see that the people gave all. All of the things that were needed so that the priest could do the work. What am I saying to you? I'm saying providing resources for the sacred work allows you to participate in the sacred work. Amen. You can be a king in the marketplace. Amen. And you're participating in the sacred work because you are providing resources for the sacred work. It's just as important. Amen. Amen. You can't get that work done in the temple or in the tabernacle unless you have the resources. And who brings the resources in? It's the people that give that have jobs. <laughs> Amen. So that's one of the purposes, kingdom purposes of work. You increase the reputation of the kingdom, increase the riches in the kingdom. And you also do what? Increase the resources for the kingdom as well those are the those are the three things that I wanted to mention to you there and then last but not least and it's really found in our scripture reference for today and, and we did I did you a little bit of a disservice reading this in the NIV because this is what we classically know and I don't see any I don't see any Iwana people here this is classically an Iwana verse not 9 through 13, but Titus 2, 11 and 12. That's, that's, oh, well, actually 11 through 13. 11 through 13. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us the denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that and have known that verse since I was probably nine years old. That's a wana. That's, that's, that's the power of being able to, to learn scripture. Of course, we learned everything back then in the King James. So that's why I said a disservice. It's not a disservice, but that's why that's how I know for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. But but now but, but now I you know as a young person, I didn't connect it to what the apostle uh, Paul was was trying to say about work and and about uh, what needs to happen here. He is he is looking if you if you start back in in verse one and you talk about how he's saying, hey, you've got to teach the older men. You've got to teach the older women. You've got to teach them with sound doctrine, the younger women and the younger men. Why? He says over and over. He says, look, you can train the younger women uh, to love their husbands and to take care of their ch- children. And he finishes the phrase off in verse five by saying so that no one will malign the word of God. Then he says, encourage the young men that they should do a few things in the soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you will may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. And then he then he starts to talk about the slaves and their masters. And he says, he says, don't try to please them. Don't talk back to them. Don't steal from them, but show them that you can be what fully trusted. Why? So that in every way. They will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Here's the fourth thing. You've got to increase the response to the kingdom. How you carry it at work, the kingdom purpose of how you carry it is you increase the response to the kingdom. The haters are going to hate They're going to say things. There are people that are always going to oppose you. There are always people that are looking, particularly if you claim the name of Christ, to trip you up. He says you got to work in such a way in that employment situation that, again, he's encouraging it particularly about trying to please, not talking back again, not stealing. I could have used this verse. We started at verse 11. I could have used verse 10 when I started that internship. Try not to steal from them. But to show them you can be fully trusted. But why are you doing it? It's not just so you can be the goody, goody, two, choo, goody two shoes and get the gold star, get the raise. He said, nah, son. You do it so that in every way you'll make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Again, how we carry it, before we open our mouths, the teaching can be negated by your behavior and my behavior, or it can be enhanced by our behavior and our attitudes. He says, you've got to carry it in such a way that you increase the response to the kingdom. What does Jesus say? Did he say, follow me and I will make you what? Hunters of men. No. What does he say? I'm going to make you fishers of men. Why are we not hunters of men? Because when you're hunting, the animal doesn't have a choice. Fish have to be attracted and it depends on what bait you put in the water. And if they're not feeling that bait on that particular day, and I think from what I understand, the most kind of complex fishing to do is fly fishing, where you talk about shade and sun and the river current and all those other kind of things, and they have all these different kind of baits and lures, and it's a very highly skilled type of exercise. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. We're fishers of men. We're not hunters of men. We don't have AR-15 rifles out. We take one shot and the animal runs off. If that's how we do it, we're not going to have great... Success, But we have to we have to make the kingdom attractive to those that need to hear it. Amen. And Second Timothy would tell us we need to teach and, and, and interact in such a way because there's two things that are desperately important to people, whether they realize it or not. Repentance and recovery. We got That's the game we're in. We need people to repent and we need people to recover out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. High stakes. And how you get down at work matters because you can make you can increase their response to the kingdom. They should be able to see how you carry things. And 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 just to, to just to conclude it, there is a theological underpinning. That's there. That's in verse 11. And it starts with that for the grace of God that bringing salvation hath appeared to all men. Foundationally, that's the underpinning for everything he's talking about in the previous verses. When he's talking about how the older men should act and the older women should act, how the younger women should act and the younger men should act, how the slaves uh, should should interact with their masters he says for it's because the grace and that means everything that was discussed prior it's like let me give you the reason he says that godly it's kind of like godly living is demanded by god's truth and now he pinpoints what godly truth in particular demands godly living it's grace it's grace and he lets us know in these verses, he said, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I would just encourage you. It's just too good not to tell you that grace pursues us. Grace pursues us. God wants to enter into an eternal love relationship with you. And God pursues us and wants us to get into that relationship and so he says listen you got to remember grace pursued you so grace pursues us and then it says in verse teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust he said it, it teaches us To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to say yes to living self-controlled, upright and godly lives. Again, it's the grace of God that appeared. That is the one that teaches us. So not only does grace pursue us, grace persuades us. Amen. And then he says in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ And then it says in verse 14, who gave himself uh, for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Grace pursues us. Grace persuades us. Beloved, grace purifies us. It purifies us. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk this thing down for you so you can understand how you can get done the godly living that I was talking about. God always provides where he guides. Amen. He always gives us the resources before he gives us the responsibility. He says, I've already given you what you need because the grace that I'm talking about pursued you. The grace that I'm talking about can persuade you. The grace I'm talking about can purify you. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Even as he is pure, that's the same sentiment that's expressed here when it says while we wait for looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior. As we look to the hope of Jesus Christ, we should understand that we should be persuaded by grace. We should be persuaded to be taught by grace so that we can be purified at the same time. So grace pursues and grace persuades and grace Purifies, and that's how God calls out for Himself a peculiar people called the church. So, if you're not doing your job on your job, then someone may not be able to hear the gospel and respond because your life is telling on you. You don't want to open your mouth and declare untruth, like King Saul did in 1 Samuel 15, when he said, hey Samuel, I see you coming. I've done everything that God has asked me to do. And Samuel said, then what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep that I hear and the lowing of the oxen in my ears? Sometimes there's things that are bleeding in your life that we hear regardless of what you say. And if you've been instructed to destroy everything, Samuel's point is, I shouldn't hear anything. I shouldn't hear any noise. Why do I hear sheeps and goats? That means something's left alive. That means you didn't do all that God said. Don't let your life bleed. Don't let the sheep and the oxen low in your life when you open your mouth at work. It should be, I got the name tag on. I know who I work for. My employer never changes. Whatever I do, I do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. I know I'm gonna follow the example of Christ who did everything he was asked to do and he did it in such a way where there was no sin, no deceit, No threats, no retaliation. I stepped where he stepped. I'm doing what he did. And I understand the stakes. People's lives are at stake. And if we don't represent like we're supposed to, people die. And you don't want to be the cause of someone not being able to reconcile what you say and what you do isn't that the number one complaint of unbelievers or people outside of the church i don't want to be in a place with all of those hypocrites and that's why the apostle paul says hey no one should malign the word of god those that oppose you they should they, they, should be, they may be ashamed because they have nothing to say about you. We got to give them no story. No story. Nothing to see here. Move on. What we say, we do. Who we say we are, we are. We're transparent. We're honest. We're open. We work hard. We know, who, we know who we work for. We are the best employees because we are excellent because we work for one whose name is excellent. And that's why it says, so in every way, make the teaching about our God and Savior attractive because we're fishers of men. And one of the main places we're supposed to fish, believe it or not, is at work. And you fish not necessarily with your lips, but you got to fish with your life. But when they step up and ask you how you're carrying it differently, you got to point them to the God that lives in you and take that moment to explain to them that God is pursuing an eternal love relationship with them through grace and that grace pursues and that grace can persuade and that grace can purify so that they can be a peculiar people and join us in the kingdom